Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Also, I never said I'd be brief. He said I would be brief. Um, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I told my wife I'd be brief. Um, So... Um, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, actually, Barry messaged me in the middle of the day and was like, "Hey, uh, um, uh, I think you're, uh, I think you're going to preach uh, one of our one of our Christmas messages." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Back in my mind, I'm like, "Why? Why is he? Why is he doing this?" And then he gave me the schedule. You're going to speak right after Thanksgiving, and I went, "Ah, he wants a week truly off." That's exactly what this is. Then I have to come to school. No sermon prep. He got an actual vacation week without having to go anywhere. So, uh, well played, Barry. Well played. Um, We're actually going to start with the exact same verse that was just read. um, Because it's Christmas and that's what you do. You start with Isaiah. Um, So let's just go ahead and jump on in. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born. Amen. We can all go home because that, that's the Christmas message, right? That, that's, that's this whole thing. It leads up to a, a, a child. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love Christmas. I love it. Um, If you ask the youth last Sunday night, apparently I hate Hallmark Christmas movies, which I really don't. Um, But for some reason, I went on this tangent about Hallmark Christmas movies last Sunday night, and I don't really know where it came from. But there was this like, wow, you really don't like Christmas. No, I love it. Like, I'll turn that on for fun. Like, I watch Christmas movies all year long. I love Christmas. I'm not one of those that gets upset when people have their, their tree up November 1st. Like, I'm fine with that. I love Christmas. Um, when Barry asked me to, to preach this message, I went, okay, I'll do a, I'll do a Christmas message. It's going to be great. He's like, okay, I want you to speak about hope. Okay, that's easy, hope. And then I had several weeks of studying and several weeks of prep and several weeks of looking at this and realizing how far off my understanding of Christmas has actually been. Um, Because I have the same view about Christmas that a lot of the Jews had when Christ was born initially. And before I go any further, um, it's just just on my heart, and this is weird, it doesn't happen to me very often. Uh, My dad is actually also preaching this morning. It's really random. Um, Long story short, if you knew my dad 15 years ago, you would never think he'd be preaching. Um, And then God got a hold of his heart and radically changed him and transformed him. And so my dad is preaching at some small church in Tennessee this morning that I don't even know the name of it, but uh, it just kind of happened on a whim. Um, So I'd like to stop for a second, and uh, I just want to, you know, I want to pray for 
the church outside of ourselves and pray for uh, my dad to be open to God's leading this morning, that he would uh, share the word and that our brothers and sisters in the faraway land of Tennessee would uh, be receptive and, and, and hear the, the word this morning. So y'all mind praying with me about that? Father, I just, um, I thank you for the family of the church and that it is so much bigger than us. I thank you that you have, have grown your kingdom from being about this one small group of people, but being king over the entire earth. And so our, our brothers and sisters and you that are gathering all across the world and specifically in, in northwest Tennessee this morning, God, they are hearing from you. And so I pray for my dad that he'll be, um, that he'll be silent and let you speak, um, that he will have a piece of what he's about to share, that the people will be receptive, that they'll listen, that, that all, the, all the people that are gathered in all these churches beginning this Christmas season this morning, that we'll, we'll silence our traditions and we'll silence our, our busyness and we'll silence all of the junk and we'll just look at you. I pray that for us this morning. God, you are, you are more than enough. And I hope we see that this morning. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So here in Isaiah 9, there's this promise of a child. A child will come. And that sounds really weird, but it happens. They've had young kings before, and, and they've had uh, these, these different situations before. Um, but the promise here is that a child will come. There is, there's hope. There's the word of the day, hope. There is hope. A child is coming. One is coming. There is, there is someone coming who is going to make things right. I mean, he's described as a wonderful counselor. How many of you have ever enjoyed the counsel of God, where God has given you wisdom and encouragement and has, has, has given you peace in a difficult time? We love that part about God. Mighty God. How many of you have seen God work in a mighty way, either through a, a, a healing uh, or, or through somebody who the doctor said is going to die and doesn't die? And you see these massive works. You see people who have uh, these car accidents. Like, how did you walk away from that? And they walk away scratch free. Like, we've seen mighty God. We've seen this everlasting Father. My dad and I are really good friends. Hasn't always been that way. Um, but my dad and I are really, we're really, really close. A lot of my friends growing up couldn't say the same thing. A lot of my friends growing up, and maybe some of you, had a worthless father or no father at all. Everlasting father. Without end. See, my daughter this morning, um, she decided to wake up way too early, um, and I went to go get her, and I tried my best to get her to like get in the chair and let's rock, let's go back to sleep, and she was not having that. Um, and I had one of those tear-jerking dad moments where it's like, oh man, like I'm not going to get this for too much longer. Like she's not, she's not going to come, well, she's not going to come sit with me. She's not going to want to come hang out with me. So we went downstairs and I tricked her. I gave her cereal and turned on Winnie the Pooh and she sat and I dozed back off. Um, but uh, I'm not an everlasting father. As much as I love that little girl, she is going to move on. She's going to leave my house. I'm not an everlasting father. 
I can love her with everything inside of me. But I'm not an everlasting father and I'm going to fail her. I'm going to have days where I have my temper flares up and I have a short fuse and I yell for something stupid. Speaking of that, the last one, Prince of Peace. Man, we could use more of that, couldn't we? In and out of the church. See, this is, this is the promise right here. This is, this is the promise. This is what God is saying is going to happen through the prophet Isaiah. That there is coming one who is going to be all of these things. And we look at this as Christians here in the, in the 2020 year that I don't even want to say that year because it's like a bunch of jokes and toilet paper humor and everything else. But we look at it and go, okay, so we know the end of the story. Like we know that, that Jesus is born of Mary and we know the whole thing. And we look back at that and kind of go, oh, this is such a sweet promise. Like look at God promising us Christ. To the people that this promise was made to, this is everything. And that's what I want to talk about today for, for the first half, is, is that for, for the, the people of Israel, there was hope for the Messiah's coming. See, again, we're looking at it from, from the future. We're, we're, we're looking at, at the past and going, okay, yeah, we know Jesus comes. To them, there's this hopeful expectation that, yes, there's hope that the Messiah is coming, that a Savior is coming, that this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that from the kingdom of David, one to rule over that kingdom perfectly is coming. And so there is hope for the Messiah's coming. And then we see this, this other promise also in Isaiah. Um, it's one of those boring books until you read it and you realize this is not boring at all. Like this is, this is one of the most applicable Old Testament books in my opinion. But in Isaiah seven fourteen, and everybody knows this one, uh, if I can find it with this tiny print. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Don't miss that. Because I have. I've missed that for 15 years. I love Christmas, but I have missed the point of the hope. But I'll come back to that. I want to I I look at one thing first. So there's this promise of a child, and, and there's also this promise that he'll be born of a virgin. Wait, wait, that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's not how that works. Um, I know we're not all adults in the room, but let's just, that's not how that works. You don't have a child of a virgin. That's not how this works. And God's promise, though, is I'm going to give you a son, and he is going to become this great and powerful king, by the way, born of a virgin. That doesn't compute. Those two things don't work. That does not line up. And so uh, I want to share this, and it was just kind of one of those random things where uh, Facebook came in handy. I saw this little video clip, and I was like, this looks weird, and I, I clicked on it, and uh yeah, in the, uh, the, the tiny little book of Habakkuk, uh, Franklin Graham is actually going off on this little tangent or whatever, and he uses this verse, and I was like, oh, wow, I never would have caught this. In uh, Habakkuk 1, 5, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Man, we all the time ask God for a sign. Give me a sign, God. Let me, let, show me what you want me to do. Show me, show me where you're going to take me. Show me what your plan is for me. High school me was, God, where are you going to take me? And then we get frustrated when God doesn't answer. But how many times does God answer and we just don't believe him? 
See, the Jews are waiting for this king, and they have a very, very specific one in, like, you know, never, ever, ever going to happen odds chance. Born of a virgin, that's the one. That's going to be the kid. That's going to be the one that's going to become the great king. And, and that's, that's their, their expectation is they're waiting for this king to be born of a virgin. Like, that's a very specific sign to be given, and yet they... They still question it and they still doubt it. So uh, God, God could give us all the signs in the world and we'd still question it because God operates outside of our logic and outside of our reasoning. But this is the hope of Israel. This, this is their hope. And I honestly could have just walked up here and said amen after Wendy's prayer because that was spot on. That song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is this, this you hear the hope, you hear this, this cry of, of just desperation that, that God is coming. That there will be this child, that it will be God with us, that it is coming. And there is this, this desperate hope for that. And that is the hope of Israel. It's what they're waiting for. They, it was promised to David, who they hold in high esteem. And, and, and this is one who will restore everything. This is the one that's supposed to restore everything. And by restore, you've got to understand that history has not been kind to the Israelites. It's their own fault, but it has not been kind to them. They have constantly been slaved to the Egyptians, the Babylonians. Anybody who came into that territory just took them over. It happened constantly. Again, their own fault. I'm not going to sit, sit there and act like you know they were just oppressed for the sake of being oppressed. It was their own fault. But it, here you have, in the days of Christ, you know you had the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is there, and it's kind of running things. And, and I could spend an hour and a half talking about just that right there because I'm a history teacher. But I won't do that because that's kind of boring um, to y'all, not me. Uh, but the problem here is that they have seen two things. One, slavery, and two, disastrous leadership. And so when they're looking for this king to come, this, this restoration king, they're looking for this finally a good, perfect king, because even David messed up a lot. But I want to make sure we don't miss something. This whole king thing is also their fault. In 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 9, we're not going to go there or anything. I'm just going to tell you the basic story. Um, they have this system of judges that God had put in place for them, and the, the next guys in place were not very good. And so the Jews were like, hey, just, just, just give us a king. Let, let us be like everybody else and just give us a king. God's like, okay. Here, have Saul. And then Saul messes everything up for a while until David is eventually called out. And, and then, you know, again, I could spend an hour and a half talking about that. I'm not going to. Um, but this whole king thing is, is also kind of their fault. Give us a king, give us a king. And not this king, he's terrible. Not this king, he's, he's not good either. Not this king, he's literally trying to kill all the babies because he's afraid of the promised king. Like, what? Like no, we don't want these kings. We want this promised king. And so that's, that's their hope, and we have to see that. Otherwise, none of this makes any sense. We have to understand not our own mindset, but theirs, and understand that this hope is desperate. Because nothing has ever seemed to go right for them. They escape Egypt and again they mess things up and, and, and then they get, you know, the consequence of wandering for, for a, a smidge of a lifetime, you know? Um, and, and, and so this is, this is their hope. This is what it all is based around is there is this promised king coming. And in Luke 1, 28 through 33, we finally see the king. Luke 1, 28 through 33. My eyesight's getting worse. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, hold on, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Okay, let's, let's read that again. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Okay, that's cool. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, or give to him the thrones of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Do you see the parallel between this promise to Mary and the promise in Isaiah? Here it is. It's coming. And then there's this whole deal where Mary's like, um... How can that be? I, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a virgin. That's not really a thing. And uh, God, the angel here is just like, we got this. Just Isaiah promised, like it, it was promised, it's taken care of. You don't question God. And uh, unlike 99.9% of us, Mary at this point goes, okay. See, Mary is not favored randomly. David is not a man after God's own heart randomly. The, the, the parallel, the commonality here is obedience to God. It does not mean perfection. David was far from perfect. I'm not going to sit here and act like Mary was some perfect saint either. But there is this obedience to God that is undeniable. And so here's this promise that you are about to be with child and this child will come and he will be great. And this is what everybody has been waiting for. This is, this is it. And so, so now there's this hope for kingdom restoration. Here it comes. This is it. This is what the Jews have been waiting for for a long, long, long time. For generations of kings and now finally here he is. Now, now he's born into some chaotic situations. But once the story starts to kind of gain some traction, once Jesus begins to travel around and gain some followers, begins to preach, begins to teach, there's this kind of like, these bells are ringing. People are like, wait a minute. Is this finally it? It's like every time Tennessee drafts a really good quarterback, is this it? <laughs> Not drafts, uh, recruits. Is this it? Is this, is, is this, this is it. It's like 98 all over. Oh, no, never mind. We're 0 and 6. Okay. Um. This is, the, this is the situation. They're looking at this and going, can, can this be it? Is it, I mean, because he's, he's, he's born in a, in a little barn. It's not the pretty little manger we have on the side of the road. It's like, oh, look how sweet this is. And this is chaotic. They are running for their lives trying to avoid this mass execution that's going on. They're literally in hiding and he's born in chaos. And then he's a carpenter's son and he's, Honestly, kind of weird. Jesus teaches some really weird things, and people are like, uh, I, um, I mean, he's checking a lot of the boxes. He's also saying some things that I don't really like, like let the dead bury the dead and ab- abandon your household to follow me. And like, he, he's saying some things that are, I'm not, 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 not a big fan of some of these things he's saying, but he's checking all the boxes. And so there's this, this, this hope that maybe this is it. Because again, Rome is in charge and, and there's this kind of chaos. And there had just been this little rebellion where the Jews had tried to take back and it got crushed. Uh, it didn't work out very well for him. Um, but there's this hope that maybe this is it. Maybe this is the promised king and God is going to make us great. 
God is going to put Israel back on the map. We're, we're not going to be subjects. We're going to be the masters. We are going to be the, the people of this great, mighty, just super powerful warrior king. And that's their hope. That's their expectation. We see this all, all throughout Scripture. Mark 11, 8 through 10. Um, if I can find that one. There it is. Mark 11, 8 through 10. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Wait, isn't that an Easter verse? That's all the same. Christmas and Easter go hand in hand together. Because our hope is not in a baby in a manger. can't be. That's what their hope was in. Here he is. He's coming into Jerusalem. This is where it's going to start. This is where he's going he's to build up his force. He's going to build up his power. He's going he's to start things here in the capital, in Jerusalem. And we're going to claim back what's ours. We're going to take ours back. God's going to make his name great. God is going to be glorified through this guy right here. He's riding on a donkey and things are kind of weird. But you know what? We're going to go with it. This is him. This is the guy. And the excitement here is, I mean, love him or hate him. If the president was going to drive by, we'd all run out and just watch the, the, the motorcade. We all would. You know you would. You don't have to like him. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Like, oh, I think I saw him. I got, that's, that's how we would be for a present. This is, this is their king. This is who they think is going to be king. When they're saying Hosanna in the highest, they're saying praise God the king is here. This is him. This is when all things get restored and made right. See the, the excitement here. Do you see, the, do you see the, the anticipation that this is it? He's about to do something crazy. I mean, he's split the Red Sea before. He's done all these signs and wonders. I mean, he, he's allowed Samson to tear down an entire Colosseum, basically, just because he wanted to. I mean, he's, he's done all these crazy works before. Here he goes. He's going to restore everything with this guy on a donkey, which is cool, I guess. Like, that's fine. And, and so there's, there's this, this is it. Here he comes. This is the king. And then, like, a week later, they kill him. Because he doesn't say what they want him to say. And he doesn't do what they want him to do, and he's not the king that they want. Lord, help us. I think that's where a lot of us are. I think that's where I've been for the last 15 years. We want the promises of God. We want the peace, and we want the joy, and we want the comfort, and we want the excitement, and we want the, the feel-goodness, and we want the promise of heaven, and we want the, the forgiveness of all the things we've done wrong. That's all secondary. We want God. A lot of us don't. I, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of times where I don't, because that's hard. That's challenging. Because that comes with requirements. That comes with a responsibility. That comes with understanding that my time on this earth is limited. And if I'm going to sing these songs and say, I surrender everything to you, take my life and let it be, 
take my life and let it be. Somebody in the band, come on. Are you hearing this? Take my life. Take it. Take it. Like that's, that's what we're going to sing. But we don't want that. God, come into my life. God, God, come to me. God, come meet me here and fix my problems. God, come sit on a throne and rule over my enemies for me. God, come restore all the, the broken stuff. Oh, God, take every bit of it because it's yours. Use me to further your glory and then bring me home to you. See, that's, that's the requirement and we don't want that. We got stuff to do first. We got retirement accounts to build. We got, we got scholarships to earn. We got promotions to We got families to grow. We, we have all these other things. Emmanuel, God with us. Not Emmanuel, bringer of happiness. Not Emmanuel, bringer of wealth. Not Emmanuel, bringer of anything other than God. See, the desperation here is that God's going to make us great. God's going to make our kingdom great. God's going to make Israel great again. God's going to make everything awesome. And in reality, God is saying, I'm giving you me. Even Peter doesn't get this. Even, even Peter misses this. And um, in Matthew 16, uh, before everything kind of goes south real fast, uh, Jesus predicts it all. And Peter's like, far be it, Lord. This will never happen to you. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get out of my face, Satan. How, how dare you tempt me with not fulfilling the plan of God? Jesus says time and time and time again, I came to glorify the Father. Secondary to that, yes, Jesus' blood saves us. Yes, Jesus gives us mercy and grace that, that we could never earn on our own. But that was not the reason he came. Jesus is to glorify the Father. And in glorifying the Father, yes, we are saved. And what he did to glorify God, yes, we are saved. But his ultimate purpose was to glorify God. And when Peter's in there saying, far be it, Lord. Just, let's just run away. Let's just go into hiding. Let's fight back. Let's, let's cut the guy's ear off in the garden because that's how Peter is. I love Peter. He's like me. He's very brash and speaks before he thinks. Um, and I love it. And because uh, it gives me hope that um, maybe I'm not as useless as I feel like I am sometimes. Uh, but, but he's, you know, far be it, Lord. And God said, or Jesus says, no. This is my mission, to lay everything down for the glory of God. See, that's, that's our hope. We, had, we sang the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, I teared up. I had to pull my stuff back together just because God has been working on me so much. And, and I think that's the point of being a pastor is that God is just 
working on you constantly and and through that you share what God is showing you and and that others can can hear what God is showing but O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Now, for the people of Israel, they are, they are held under Roman authority. For us, we are held under sin in every shape, size, and form. Lust, greed, uh, gluttony, whatever. You start throwing all the random ones out there and we all start checking boxes. O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, O come, God, be with us. Ransom captive Israel, ransom us, get us out of this mess, yes, but, but not, not to get us out and let us start back all over, get us out bringing us to you, to your presence. And so even, even Peter is confused. So I want to look at I'm going to look at something Mary says, and i gotta, I got to move a little quick here. So Mary, and um, one of the things that I used to skip over, and I don't know why, but I did. Mary in Luke chapter 1, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. Her being, you know, mother of John. We'll discuss that, I'm sure, later on in the series. This is at the beginning of the story. My soul rejoices that God has looked on me with favor and that this strong God is going to bless the nations through me and and I'm honored by that. And so this is this song of Mary. And then Jesus dies. And she watches it. It's like the brakes get slammed on. Born of a virgin. Check that box. Son of God, check that box. I mean, checks all the boxes and then dies. It's celebrated. It's, it's, there's a parade about him and then he, he, he dies. It's because hope was in the wrong kingdom. Fixation was on hope of, of earth and what's going to happen here. This is our last hope is hope for eternity. Sounds super just Baptist message that I went hope, 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 you know, three points. They all have hope in the name and everything else. But, but, but listen to that hope for eternity. See, Israel is wanting hope for right now. Israel is wanting hope that the Romans will get shut down, will, will be de- destroyed, will be defeated, that, that God will make Israel great. God will make them great. 
But Jesus is hope for eternity. The promised king was celebrated, he was doubted, he was mocked, he was buried. To a lot of the people, that was the end of the story. Okay, he's dead, he's gone. Killed that crazy guy and his weird teachings and questionable style choices of riding on a donkey and all these other things. They got rid of that guy. He's done. Nope, not, not gone because the promised king is going to return. And I, I, I wish I could spend more time here. Um, last night when I was writing all this out, like I had broke down and just sort of crying as I was writing this stuff. Because think about the, the promised king has returned. That, that here's this, this hope that here he comes. He's going to restore the kingdom. And then everything kind of just crashes and crumbles and is, is over. And he's dead and he's buried and he's gone. And so for the most loyal all the way to the most doubtful Christ is, uh, he was just some guy, and he's dead, and he's gone. But he's not. Christ returns. See, he was born in chaos, and he lived through all this conflict and all this craziness, and he dies on a cross, but he comes back, and he is raised as a conqueror, not of Rome, not of the Greeks, not of the Babylonians, not of, of, of debt, not of, of any of our issues on this earth, but he is a conqueror of sin, conqueror of death. He has won the ultimate battle. They wanted a warrior king to come free them from slavery, and he did. It just wasn't the freedom they were hoping for. See, they wanted something right now, something tangible they could hold on to. He came for so much more than that. There's a song that I was listening to last night as I was looking through all this. There's just a line that I've heard... 2,000 times, but it says, Adopted as your own, alive to make you known, this means love. Lost, broken, confused, and empty. And it goes all the way back to Genesis. We were created to be with God. That is how man was created, to be in perfect unity and a perfect relationship, to literally physically walk with God. And out of our disobedience, that was broken. And we were separated from God. And there's this hope, there's this king coming, and he's coming, and he's going to come, and he's going to be great, and things are going to be awesome, and it's going to be wonderful. And what actually happens is Emmanuel comes, God with us comes, that there is a chance for restoration, not, not of restoration of all this stuff. That's all secondary, and I've missed that for 15 years. My salvation is not God's priority. It's secondary. The blessings we receive are secondary. I get to know God. Our crown and our throne are far too small. King of all these things. Now, He's king of everything. And He wants to know me. And he gives me a way to know him. Do you understand how big that is? 
I teach history. This is what I do. You didn't get to know the king. Unless you were his chosen elect few people, you didn't get to know the king. You either loved him or you hated him, but you didn't get to know him. And that was the king over this little plot of land, that it would come and go and die. The king of the entire universe, the one who spoke all things into existence, gives us hope to know him. Everything else is secondary. All the gifts, all the blessings, all the pieces, all secondary. We get to know God. And I've missed that. See, like I said, the coming of Christ for us is this all sweet baby Jesus in a manger. The coming of Christ for the Jews was here he comes, here comes the mighty king. They're both wrong. The birth of Jesus is the restoration of us to God, who is the thing that we have been missing. He is that hole that we try to fill with everything else under the planet. We get to be in a relationship with one who we don't deserve to speak his name. So, he is hope that God is with us. That the separation from God is over. Not that it can be over, that it is over. That we have access to God. And so, I'm going to wrap up with this. In Exodus 33, I'm like five minutes over, which is like ten minutes ahead of schedule. Um, In Exodus 33, uh, Moses has gone up on the mountain, and he comes down, and he sees the people worshiping the golden calf, and he's like, what are you doing? And God says pretty much the same thing. He's like, you know what? God says, I'm done. Go go to the promised land. Go. That's cool. Just go. Go. See ya. I'm not going to go with you, though. And Moses slams on the brakes. Whoa, no, 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 no. I don't want the promises. I want you. See, to Moses, the promised land with all the rewards and all the blessings and all the glory and all the greatness that has been promised for all this time is nothing if God is not going to go with him. We love the baby. We do. It's peaceful, it's pretty, it's easy. Do we want God? Do we want that relationship with the God of the universe? I feel like we have removed him from the gospel. We have removed him. We, we make all these promises. Come to Christ to get... And you can fill in the blank. What are you going to fill it in with? You come to Christ to get God. You come to Christ to be made whole with God the Father. You come to Christ to be made one with the one who makes your every single heartbeat. That's the hope of Christmas. That's what this whole season is about, is that God, the fulfiller of his promises, has given us Emmanuel. He's given us himself. We can be one with God.
And I pray that we live like that. I pray that we see that and we don't get so fixated on all the rest of the stuff. We wonder why. God, God just doesn't seem to be moving in our, in our midst. God just doesn't seem to be doing these things. We, just, we, don't, we don't see the miracles. We don't see the salvations. We don't see the baptisms. We don't see all these things. Well, are we worshiping God or are we worshiping the things of God? And I know for me, I know the answer to that. I have not been worshiping God. I've been worshiping the things of God. So my, my, my challenge this morning as, we, as we're beginning this Advent season is we're going to look at joy and we're going to look at peace and we're going to look at all these other things and they are wonderful and they are great. And it is part of the beauty of, of, of Christmas and of Christianity and, and of, of God, our, our wonderful Father. But I pray that we don't miss the fact that we have a hope for something so much more. We have a hope to be with God. Now and forever. Not to be plucked out of hardship, but that God will be with us in hardship. Let's pray. Father, you are, you're just that, your Father. You are wonderful, and you are mighty, and you are strong, and you are perfect. You are encouraging, and you are convicting. Father, you are patient, and you fulfill all of your promises. God, you promised us that we would be restored to you. And I pray pray that everyone in this room would do that. God, that we would grab a hold of you and not let go. That we would take advantage of the promise of the, of the, the glory of you and we would grip onto it as undeserving as we are, that we would grip onto it and not let go. Let us not get distracted with the manger and with the, with the shouts of Hosanna and all these things, but let us be completely, desperately obsessed with you. And let everything else just flow from that. God, you are great and mighty, and we praise you this morning. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Just stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.